0: Good morning everyone. It's so great to be gathered together with brothers and sisters in Christ and I know I say that every week but it's true every week so I'll keep saying it. Uh, Open your Bibles now if you would to John chapter 21. John chapter 21 beginning in verse 20 and this morning we will be finishing our series in the Gospel of John that started long before I got here. And uh, it's, it's a blessing and it's an honor to uh, bring a close to this series. Please follow along in your hearts as I read aloud John chapter 21, verse 20 to 25. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him... During the supper, and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word, that we may know you, that we may experience your will in our lives, that we might be changed by your grace and your Holy Spirit which comes to dwell each and every believer. Lord, I pray that as we examine the end of this gospel that you've given your people, Lord, that we would come away with a stronger commitment to follow you, that we would come away uh, with a better understanding of who you are, Because that is our greatest pursuit, is to know you and to do your will. It's in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. You know, as a kid, I wasn't much good at math. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that. Uh, But no matter how good a child is at math, you know, or how bad they are, How bad particularly they are with fractions. You know, fractions can be tricky for little kids. But no matter how bad they are at fractions, they know what half a candy bar looks like. (laughs) And they they know if they've got 49% of the candy bar. They know if they've got 49% of the trick-or-treat candy and their brother or sister has 51%. No matter how bad they are at percentages or fractions. And as a kid, I, like many other children, would see things that would seem unjust, things that would seem unfair, and point them out. And who would I take it up with the highest power in my life as a child? Take it up with my dad, right? Hey, this isn't fair. What about this over here? What about this? And my dad had something that he told me that I I believe I'll pass on to my children. He would say, this is your world. This is everything going on around your world. Things that are not your business. Things that are not your responsibility. But this is your world, and in your world, you have things that are your business, things that are your responsibility, things I've entrusted you with to take care of and to do, things that the Lord has for you to do. Right here, this is your world. You leave the rest of this stuff with me. This is my business. Take care of this. This is your world. I think often we need to be reminded of that as we follow Christ. I think often we need to be reminded that God has given us something to do. God has given us a duty, a responsibility in this life. And we're supposed to worry about that, what God has given us to do. And leave everything else up to him. Because this is your world. So let's examine this passage together as we see the Apostle Peter wrestle, grapple with this concept. Let's look to verse 20 and 21. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. Okay, they've they've gone somewhere else, away from everybody else. And that's where Jesus is talking to Peter. And then it goes on to describe John. Remember the guy way back where we were saying, who's going to betray you? This is, this is a parenthesis in the story. Bottom line, Peter sees John, and he knows the special relationship that John has with Jesus. And he sees him there. And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, verse 21, Lord, what about this man? Well, what about him? We have to know what he's asking about. What is he asking about? Well, if we remember last week's lesson, we know that Peter just found out that it is his destiny to die for Jesus. He knows that it's his destiny not just to die, but to be tortured to death on a cross for his love for Jesus. This is frightening news. How do you respond to frightening news? To a frightening diagnosis? You might say, Lord, why me? Uh, maybe a, a less severe example. Your company is downsizing and, and you find out you're getting laid off. You might want to know, who else is getting the boot here? I, I know how long I've been working here. and Who else is, is, is experiencing this? And Peter does the same thing. When he finds out this frightening news, his response is to evaluate how fair it is. You can put yourself in his shoes here. Well, what about him? Am I the only one that's got to be tortured to death? I shouldn't be the only one who has to be tortured to death. Well, you know, there are historical records of how each of the apostles died. And Peter is not the only one who was crucified. He's one of five apostles who was crucified. Two of them are beheaded, and one of those people is Paul, who Peter doesn't even know yet. Two of them are stabbed. One is speared, one is shot with arrows, and one is stoned to death. John is going to die of old age after having authored no less than Five books of the Bible including this gospel that you and I are reading it is said that he lived to the ripe old age of 88 which is pretty good I think for someone who lived in the first century before modern medicine and preached an illegal gospel I'd say 88 is a pretty good life expectancy for someone in John's shoes so you can imagine Jesus telling Peter all of these things Okay, look, John, I've got a lot of stuff for him to do. He's got to write a lot of things. Uh, he has things that he's doing. He is going to live a long time. But don't worry, you're not the only one who's going to be crucified. Uh, you're, you're definitely not the only one who's going to die uh, as a martyr. Uh, you know, you don't really like to write anyways. You're more of a, you know, you're more into fishing. And, and so we'll, we'll keep John around and he'll do all the writing. You can imagine Peter being told all this information and sorting through it and go, okay, well, with all of this information, I, I can kind of understand more of the overall plan here. I can, I can begin to make my peace with this. Thank you, Jesus. But Jesus doesn't tell him any of that information. Is it because Jesus didn't know? Of course not. Of course Jesus knew. He doesn't tell him any of that information. What does he tell them? What does he tell Peter in this moment? Let's look at verse 22. Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. See, God's will is going to look a little different for each of us. Now, does that mean that we have different rules and standards that we operate with? I mean, no. We can't say, hey, you know, God's will for you is sexual purity. For me, I I think God has other plans. You don't get to say that. No. God's will is revealed to us in his word, and we are all accountable to God to live by his word. So what does it mean to say that God's will in our lives will look a little different? We are all called to follow God's will as revealed to us in his word. But our circumstances in life are going to determine what faithfully following Jesus looks like. And sometimes as we look at our brothers and our sisters in Christ, things just don't seem fair. And we may want to take that up with the Lord. But whether you've been given your dream job or you have to clock in and grind at a job that you just can't stand, faithfully following Jesus will look a little different. Whether God has called you to steward wealth for His glory, or to endure poverty for His glory, faithfully following Jesus is going to look a little different. Whether God has called you to a Godly marriage or a long season of singleness or even faithfulness to an unbelieving spouse. Following faithfully is going to look a little different. Whether God has called you to bring children into this world or to be barren, faithfully following Jesus is going to look a little different. Or whether like these two disciples, God calls one to a long, long life of ministry. And one to a ministry which culminates in martyrdom. It is your... It is your job to faithfully follow Jesus regardless of what seems fair. Don't worry about God's will for others. Worry about his will for you. And faithfully follow Jesus regardless of what seems fair. This is your world. Obey and serve God in the midst of whatever circumstance you find yourself in. This is your world. Because Jesus Christ followed the will of the Father in the most scandalous injustice of all time. As I turn to Philippians chapter 2, I invite you to come there with me if you'd like. Philippians chapter 2. I believe that this passage of Scripture gives us such insight into what Jesus Christ did for us. Philippians chapter 2. And as we turn to Philippians chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 13. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming what? Obedient So first of all, we praise God that life is not fair. Because if life was fair, this floor would open up and we would all be swallowed into hell right now in this moment. That's what would happen if life was fair. But life is not fair. And Jesus endured something that was not fair. He was sent to follow the will of the Father. He left his rightful place in heaven and he took on crude human flesh. And he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. To redeem Peter, to redeem John, to redeem you, and to redeem me. And that is what he is calling Peter to do. To be obedient to death, even death on a cross. Am I asking too much of you, Peter? What was asked of me for your sake? Think of the words of our heritage hymn this morning. Love so amazing, so divine. Does it end there? Love so amazing, so divine demands what? My soul, my life, my all. Jesus is not asking too much of Peter. And he's not asking too much of you or me. He endured death, even death on a cross that he did not deserve. So what do we owe him? Absolutely everything. But where is Jesus now? Remember what we read at the end of this passage in Philippians. Bestowed on him the name that is above every name. He is highly exalted. He's at the right hand of the Father. What happened to him at the end of his earthly ministry? He is at the right hand of the Father. And his world is bigger even than it was then. His world is what? The whole world. Revelation Chapter 3, verse 21, Jesus tells us that to him who overcomes, he will sit with Jesus at his right hand. Sit with Jesus on his throne, just as he sat down with the Father on his throne. So right now, this is our world. We obey Jesus Christ in his word. We serve our Savior till the very end. And at the very end, our world becomes a lot bigger, doesn't it? Our world becomes the whole world just as Jesus Christ reigns over the whole world. And we get to sit with him while he does it. Charles Tindley was a prominent African-American Methodist pastor who ministered in Delaware, Maryland, Maryland. New Jersey, and eventually, Bainbridge Street Methodist Church in Philadelphia, not too far from us. And while the Lord granted him great success in his ministry, his life was far from easy. While he was being considered for a bishopric, there were those who slandered his name and accused him of immorality. He suffered a great deal of racial persecution His whole life, people just hurling hatred at him because of the color of his skin. On a great and important and glorious day when his new church building was being dedicated, he had just recently lost his wife. His son died in the First World War. And his remaining children were estranged from him. His congregation was so impoverished that they had trouble keeping the lights on. And eventually this faithful servant died. And his own salary and the funds of his church were insufficient to even give him a proper burial. And he was laid in an unmarked grave. But we know that this was a man with a heavenly perspective. In 1905, he penned these words, trials dark on every hand and we cannot understand all the ways that God would lead us to that blessed promised land. But he'll guide us with his eye and we'll follow till we die. And what? We'll understand it better by and by. By and by when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home, we will tell the story how we've overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. Now, there, there are those who sing these words and they think that it means when we get to heaven, we're going to find out all the reasons why we went through everything we did. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't think we necessarily see that in Scripture, that when we get there, God will say, remember that nasty thing that happened? Here's why. But here's what I know is true. When we are in heaven, and when we sit with our Savior on his throne, all of our trials will be in perspective. Because right now they seem so big, don't they? Right now, it seems like they're just going to fall on us and squish us. They seem so big. But when you're ruling alongside the king of the universe, it will seem like nothing. It will seem like absolutely nothing. We will have a heavenly perspective. And we must try in this life to have a heavenly perspective. It's not our place to know why God has put us in our circumstance. It's not our place to know why God has put others in their circumstances. But it is our place to faithfully follow Jesus regardless of what seems fair. When Peter asks about John, Jesus tells him, don't worry about John. You follow me. And then... John here uses this opportunity to dispel some rumors. And then he'll conclude the gospel of John. The rumor here we see in verse 23. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Now, as you can imagine, before this gospel was even written, that this story and other things that Jesus said and did would have been spreading among all of the believers. And as you can imagine, this story certainly would have gotten out. And so as all of the disciples met their gruesome martyrdom, and John continued to live on, and continue to age, and even evade death in some occasions, according to history. You can imagine that this rumor would have really gotten out of hand. Like, hey, John's not going to die. He's just going to live until Jesus comes back. But it was not God's will to leave John until he returned. And we know that for a fact now. So what was God's will for John? Let's keep reading in verse 24. This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So what was the will of Christ for John? Part of his will was to write this gospel, But as we just found out, this gospel doesn't tell us everything that Jesus did, does it? It it physically can't. That's what John says. So what good is this gospel? What purpose does it serve? Well, I invite you to look back. It shouldn't be more than a page from our passage today. John chapter 20, verse 30 to 31. John chapter 20. Verse 30 to 31. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. This gospel was written so that we might believe in Jesus and have life in his name. John also wrote four other books of the Bible so that we might know God's will, know God's identity even further. Well, what was the will of God for Peter? Well, he got to write a couple books of the Bible too, shorter ones than this for sure. But what is John drawing our attention to in the life of Peter? God's will for Peter was to feed his sheep, to participate in faithful pastoral ministry until he was crucified. That was God's will for Peter. So what is God's will for you? To faithfully follow Jesus. Regardless of what seems fair. In whatever circumstance He has called you to, follow Him. This is your world. Serve God in it. And one day, your world, because of Christ Jesus, will be the whole world. Let's pray. Lord, we know that you love us because you sent your Son to die for us. Lord, I pray that if there are those who don't know you, that they might believe and have life in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to look at how others are doing, compare ourselves to them, but Lord, that you would help us to be faithful followers regardless of what we estimate to be fair. Lord, I pray that whatever circumstance that we find ourselves in, that we would be perfectly willing to be in full submission to your will and to obey your word in our circumstance. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.